0: Welcome to Afternoons with me, I'm Bill Arnold, and it is, uh, I'm really looking forward to this hour more than usual, because this has become an annual tradition during Holy Week. I think this is the third year Jeff Verdorn has come in and talked about the final week in the life of Jesus. And as I look at Matthew 12, verse 40, it said, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jeff Dorn is a Bible uh, teacher and also a friend and mentor of mine. Always glad to have him here. Jeff, welcome. Hi, Bill. Well, let's get
2: at this. How do we come up with this math? Hmm. You know, I remember sitting in the pews when I was in about junior high, and our pastor on this week read that passage that you just read from Matthew chapter 12, that Jesus would be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and and then rise from the grave. And I remember sitting there going... Friday, Friday night, Saturday night, Um. well, I guess I just don't understand because I'm just sitting in the pews and, you know, the church knows these things and they must be right. Well, it wasn't until probably 15 years later when I started studying this for myself and I did an exercise when, uh, a few years back where I started looking at all the t- of the time frame references Uh, concerning the final week of Christ's life as it relates to his crucifixion and his resurrection. And this chart that we're going to talk about today is the result of that. Good. And we will have this chart available in the podcast.
0: You can find that at MyFaithRadio.com. It's not available until after the show, unfortunately. I'd love to have it in your hands right now so you could follow along with, because it is so interesting. This is maybe one of my favorite hours of the year. (laughs)
2: It is, and it's a fun tradition, and I it love is. to talk about this. Let's
0: get to it. Well, let's first talk about the traditional view. Obviously, first, of all, the tr- first of all, let me say hi to your mom, Carol. Hey, oh, Carol. All I, right, now, continue.
2: <laughs> yeah, she's, I think she's listening. I know she is. <laughs> the traditional view, uh, which is the crucifixion on Friday, of course. This is why we celebrate Good Friday. Good Friday is a reference to the crucifixion. And I think there's one biblical reason why the traditional view has become the traditional view. And that is, we know that when Jesus died, Scripture says that they wanted to get him off of the cross before evening came because the Sabbath was coming. Well, we all know that the traditional weekly Sabbath in Israel is sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. So the assumption is that, hey, that's the Sabbath that they're talking about. Therefore, Jesus needed to get down before the start of the Sabbath, sundown Friday, and uh, and that's been the traditional view. And how do you reconcile the Matthew uh, 12 passage about the three days and three nights? Well, I've read a number of accounts where commentators try to reconcile it. And to tell you the truth, I don't think any of them, recon- because the prophecy is very specific. He said, if it was just three days, well, then I can understand how you can go Friday, Saturday, Sunday but it's very specific. It says three days and three nights. So we are going to paint a picture of the timeline of the Gospels where we get to the three days and the three nights from a Thursday crucifixion. Let's start, though, back in the Old Testament at the very first Passover, because what is happening this week in Israel is actually coincides with the Passover that started 1,400 years before Jesus came to earth. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 12, and let's see the sequence of events that God spelled out for Israel. I'm going to start in verse 1 and skip around a little bit here in in chapter 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month the first month of your year. Now this is the month of Nisan. So this is now the first month of the Jewish calendar. And to this day, Nisan is the first month of the year for the Jewish calendar. Tell the community of Israel that on the 10th day of this month, each man was to take a lamb from for his family, for one for each household. Verse five, the animal you choose must be a year old males without defect. Well, without defect, what do you think that's a picture of. Fast forwarding to the Christ, he is without defect. He was without sin. And as we're going to see, Jesus is going to become this Passover lamb. As John the Baptist said when he first saw Jesus, behold the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. So that's the parallel that we're working on here between the Passover and Jesus. Take care of the lamb then until the 14th day of the month when all the people of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. So now on the 14th day, Israel was instructed by God to slaughter the lamb at twilight. Well, twilight, that would be late afternoon before sunset. Mm -hmm. So we've got the lamb is selected on the 10th of Nisan. The lamb is slaughtered on the 14th of Nisan. And then it says, then you will eat the Passover meal that evening on the same night I will pass through Egypt and I will strike down every firstborn, both men and women and so on. And that's the night they would have eaten the Passover meal. And then it says, leave none until morning and and so on. And we know the rest of the story. So it's on the next day, the 15th, that evening. Now you got to remember in Israel, the day began at sundown. So late in the afternoon on the 14th, they would have slaughtered the lamb. That evening, that same evening, would be Nisan the 15th, and they would eat the Passover meal. Mm-hmm. So that's the pattern. Now turn to Leviticus chapter 23, and you'll see in Leviticus chapter 23, this is where God gives the law to Moses, and he gives a, a, a re-in- uh, repeats the instructions for the Passover meal, basically saying this, the Passover was the, the lamb was to be selected on the 10th of Nisan, the lamb was to be slaughtered on the 14th of Nisan, and then the meal eaten that evening uh, the, of the Nisan the 15th. That was then the start of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and that feast would continue on for seven days. Now, it says in Leviticus 23, verse 7, about this day that they eat the Passover, that this day would be a sacred assembly for Israel and they were to do no regular work. Well what is that? That's a sabbath. Mm. Special sabbath it sounds. It's special sabbath. This is a a special day whenever pass wherever passover falls on whatever day of the week that was to be a sabbath unto the Lord where they were to do no regular work hold a sacred assembly. It's kind of I compare it to Christmas. OK, so Christmas is a holiday for us. Right. Mm-hmm. And we don't work generally on Christmas, but Christmas Day can occur on any day of the week in any given year. Right. It floats. It's a mm-hmm. floating holiday. So Christmas is on Sunday. Sometimes it's on Wednesday. It's on Thursday. Well, in 32 A.D., which is the year that we're talking about here, and we'll get to that in a minute as well on why it's 32 A.D., this This Nisan the 15th, the day that they ate the Passover meal, landed on the start of Thursday evening into Friday, all right? So Nisan the 15th starts on Thursday at sundown, and therefore that's when that special Sabbath happened. And then, of course, let's also not forget that then the regular Sabbath would start on Friday at sundown. What does that mean? Well, right off the bat, it means something very important to the timing of this week. And that is in 32 AD, there was actually two Sabbaths in a row. There was the Sabbath, the special Sabbath of the Passover meal that started at sundown on Thursday. And then there was the weekly Sabbath that Israel would, would observe every single week starting at sundown Friday, all right? So that's the Old Testament story that we'd have select the lamb on the 10th, Sacrifice the lamb on the 14th, eat the Passover meal that evening on the 15th. That 15th would be a sacred assembly, do no regular work. And then on that Friday would have been the regular Sabbath, starting on Friday at midnight. I'm I'm sorry, Friday at sundown. All right, so there's the Old Testament. Now let's go to the Gospels, okay? Now, when when we chart out this week... We have to make special note. And in my chart, if you download this chart, once it becomes available online, you'll see that I have a chart with evening and and daytime and nighttime and daytime. And then I have the Hebrew dates and then I have the Julian dates right underneath it. So picture this timeline going across where you've got the Hebrew days and the Julian days. And there obviously our days start at midnight and go to midnight. Hebrew days start at sundown and go to sundown. So that plays into this, and we need to understand that. So now the events. So I'm on Saturday, Nisan 6th, the day before Palm Sunday, and Scripture says this, John 12. It was six days before the Passover, which was eaten on the 15th. And Jesus is uh, the rest of John chapter 12, but six days before the Passover. Well, let's count that off. If the Passover is eaten on the Nisan the fifteenth, and this is the day before Palm Sunday, which would be Nice on the ninth, we count out one, two, three, four, five, six, we get to the fifteenth, and we know we're locked in. We're on the timeline. Okay? So there's key phrase number one. We're six days before the Passover. The next day, John twelve twelve, Jesus enters Jerusalem on a donkey on Palm Sunday. Now, we know, of course, that this is Palm Sunday. Scripture tells us it's a Sunday, and this is Nisan the 10th. So on that Palm Sunday, Israel would have been following the instructions of Exodus and Leviticus and have been selecting their lamb. Ah. Palm Sunday, Jesus rides in on a donkey and is proclaimed, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Israel has chosen or selected, if you will, the Lamb of God as they proclaimed him on that Palm Sunday. Now, how do we know it's 32 AD? Now, we've done this prophecy on this show before, and I don't have time to go into it in detail, but in Daniel chapter 9, there is this amazing prophecy. We know that there are multiple prophecies for the first coming of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. So that he was born in Bethlehem that he was, had a ministry in Nazareth, he was a Galilean, he was uh, betrayed by a friend, he spoke in parables, he came up out of Egypt, he was a descendant of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and from the tribe of Judah in the line of David, um, that he would be crucified, pierced for our transgressions, he would be placed in a, rich, in a borrowed tomb, and his Holy One wouldn't see decay, and all these prophecies for the first coming of Christ. But this Daniel 9 prophecy... It tells us when the Messiah was going to come. And when you understand this Daniel 9 prophecy, it tells us the exact day to expect the Messiah. And do you know what day it points to? Palm Sunday, 32 AD. Hmm. Well, we need to take a break. And I'm going to hold my breath
0: for 90 seconds. And hopefully I'm not blue when we come back. <laughs> Jeff Redorn's my guest. We're talking about Christ's final week. Be right back.
1: You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: So we have a theme today, Bill talk Less, Jeff talk More. That's the mm. theme. We're talking about the final week of the life of Jesus, and this is a, a spectacular
2: study. And Jeff, let's pick up where we left off. So we're on Palm Sunday. We've anchored this uh, this Sunday. We know it's a Sunday. We know it's the week before the resurrection, and we know that it's Nisan the 10th, and actually this Daniel 9 prophecy pointed right to this day. This is, it's just an amazing, amazing prophecy. Um So he enters into Jerusalem, he clears the temple, Matthew 21, and then he departs Jerusalem. And this is going to be his pattern the rest of this week, where he leaves Jerusalem, he walks down through the Kidron Valley, past the Garden of Gethsemane, up the Mount of Olives to Bethany. And he'll repeat that every night for the next few nights, okay? So now the next day, so I'm in Mark 11, now we're on Monday, Nisan the 11th. Jesus curses the fig tree, he reaches Jerusalem, he clears the temple, and it appears like he clears the temple again a second time. So it's clear from Mark that Jesus seemed to clear the, second, the temple a second day on Monday after clearing it the first day on Palm Sunday, which kind of makes sense because they probably didn't listen to him the first time and he needed to repeat it and do it again on the second day. Uh, on Monday. But regardless, evening then comes, he goes out of the city and the pattern is repeated. He goes out of the city, up past the Mount of Olives to um, to Bethany. In the morning, Tuesday, Nisan the 12th, Peter sees the fig tree, Mark eleven twenty one. 21. He arrives again in Jerusalem, and he teaches parables and teachings that are listed off in Mark 12 and 13 and Matthew 22 and 23. He then leaves the temple, and as he is leaving the temple, he does what is called the, the on the Mount of Olives, called the Olivet Discord. And I wanted you to read to read just a couple verses here from Matthew 24. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called his attention to all these buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left upon another. Every one will be thrown down. Now, just a aside, if you go to Jerusalem today and you visit the Temple Mount, you will see next to the Temple Mount piles of stone, that were thrown off the Temple Mount from the temple itself. In 70 AD, the Roman general Titus and the Roman troops besieged the city of Jerusalem and overcame it, and in their anger, fire was set to the temple, gold melted down into the rocks, and Titus ordered the Roman generals to pry every single stone of the temple off another and threw it off the Temple Mount, fulfilling Jesus' words exactly some 40 years later after he said it
0: mm.
2: okay so that's just an aside i just think that's so cool but look at matthew 26 then says the passover is still two days away well by now he's at bethany it's evening so it would be nissan the 13th are we still in sync with our timeline Nisan the 13th tuesday evening Passover two days away. One, two, sure enough, we're two days away from the Passover meal on the 15th. Jesus is anointed that night in Bethany. Jesus, uh, Judas Iscariot goes out to the chief priest to betray Jesus, and we come then to uh, uh, Tuesday, I'm sorry, then the, to the Last Supper. So the Passover is still two days away. The Last Supper now on Wednesday, the next day. So here is one of the other aspects of this timeline that I think tradition uh, gets wrong. And that is this, that most, most of the traditionalists believe that the Last Supper was the Passover meal itself. And what I want to show you is that the Passover meal doesn't happen until after the crucifixion. So let's walk through this, all right? So it says in Matthew 26 that on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread which was the preparation day, which was Nisan the 14th, because it says in John 13, it was before the Passover feast, the evening meal was served, John 13. Now, at the Last Supper, what was served at the Last Supper? Well, we know there was bread, right? Wine. And wine. Mm -hmm. And that's all we see at the Last Supper. That's all we hear about, right? Right. Now... What is the main thing that Israel would have eaten at the Passover meal? The, the, the lamb. The lamb. Yeah, the sacrificed lamb. But there's no mention of the lamb at all at the Last Supper. We know that Jesus said, Jesus told, when when he says to his disciples, the person who dips his his bread in the cup after me, he is the one that's going to betray me. And sure enough, Judas dips his bread, and then he leaves. He says, basically, go and do what you were planning on doing And it says in Scripture that it's his disciples thought, John 13, 29, that Judas was leaving to go buy what was needed for the Passover feast. Well, why in the world would anybody think that Judas was leaving to go buy what was needed for the Passover feast if they were eating the Passover meal right then and there? Mm -hmm. That makes no sense. No, it doesn't. But if this was preparation day, the day... Before the Passover meal, that's the day that they would prepare everything for the Passover. And I, 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 I want to use Christmas again to, to bring this into kind of a modern day metaphor. Traditionally, we would prepare for Christmas on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve was not part of Christmas. It was kind of preparation day. So most families 100 years ago would trim their trees on Christmas Eve, wrap their presents, and get all ready for Christmas on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. That's preparation day for Israel. They are preparing for the Passover, which would be the next day. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. And now today... it. This this uh, analogy probably doesn't hold as much because we start getting ready for Christmas the day after Thanksgiving anymore. Mm-hmm. But in the old days, we would, the day before on Christmas Eve, that is preparation day. So the other passage that people use for the traditional view is it says that Jesus desired to eat this Passover, but says that he will not eat, eat it again until the kingdom. And they say, see, he's already eating the Passover with his disciples. And I say, well, no, this passage makes as much sense understanding that Passover would be the next night. He says, I'm desiring to eat this Passover with you the next night, but I will not eat it with you until I come into my kingdom. Mm -hmm. And scripture actually points out that we will actually celebrate the Passover meal when Jesus returns in his millennial kingdom. So we will continue to celebrate the Passover even when Jesus returns at his second coming. Jesus then... And, and and I will. There's a couple other reasons we'll get to them in John in just a minute about why the the this Last Supper is not the Passover meal. Jesus then leaves the city of Jerusalem like he did all the previous evenings. He stops this time in the Garden of Gethsemane, Matthew 26, and there that is where he prays this very famous prayer, Lord, if there's any way, take this cup from me. But in the end, he says, not my will, but your will be done. And Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew what kind of death he was going to face. And he knew what had to be done. And in his humanity, he asked God, is there any way that we can do this without me going to the cross? But in the end, he said, not my will, but your will be done. I think that's a great lesson for us Christians as we live our lives today right now. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Do we still have a little bit of time?
0: No, No, we're pretty much up against our break here, Jeff. Uh, So let me just uh, let everyone know that the the chart that Jeff is talking about, he's made available and we already have it ready to go. It'll be on the podcast this evening. It'll be included in the podcast. If you go to myfaithradio.com in the afternoon with Bill's show page, and the episode that we're doing right now will be available. You might want to listen to it again. I know I enjoy listening to it a second or third time. And the chart will be available there. Jeffrey Doran is my guest. And we will uh, be right back with the uh, final week of Jesus in just a minute.
1: Listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold, Faith, Hope, and Clarity, in a special repeat performance.
0: I'm back with Jeff Verdorn, and we are talking about the final week of Jesus. And I promise you, the one of a couple of goosebump moments are is coming
2: up now. So get ready. All right, Jeff. So Jesus is arrested is where we left off. Mm-hmm. We're Wednesday evening. And as he's arrested, he is brought before Caiaphas. Peter denies him three times. Early the next morning, Jesus is handed over to Pilate. So now we're on Thursday morning. Matthew 27, verse 2, he's handed over to Pilate. And it says this, the Jews did not enter the palace because they wanted to be clean to be able to eat the Passover. John eighteen twenty-eight. Well. If they wanted to be clean, to be able to eat the Passover, that means the Passover hasn't happened yet. So clearly, as we were just talking before the break, the Last Supper is not the Passover meal. It was the day of preparation. That was the meal that were, they were eating at the Last Supper. So Pilate sends Jesus over to Herod. Uh, we know this story. Uh, Pilate wants to release a prisoner, but the Jews cry out, crucify him, and he sends him off to be crucified. It then says in matthew twenty seven that there was darkness from the sixth hour to the ninth hour and matthew twenty seven forty six says Jesus dies at the ninth hour on Thursday. now remember what we started to talk about at the beginning that on Nisan the fourteenth which is right now Thursday at twilight All of Israel would have been sacrificing their lambs for the Passover meal that evening. At that exact time, Scripture says that Jesus, the Lamb of God, is on the cross taking away the sins of the world. At that moment. Mm. Now, that's kind of one of these goosebumps moments where you go, oh. Are you telling me that 1,500 years before Christ came, God set this pattern to Israel at the exodus out of Egypt that was going to point to the exact timing of Jesus as our Passover lamb dying on the cross? Well, sure enough, on Nisan the 14th, when Israel was sacrificing their lambs, late in the day at twilight, Jesus, the lamb of God, was dying for the sins of the world on Thursday afternoon. Now... Here comes the Sabbath part that we mentioned earlier as well. We know that that they wanted to get Jesus' body down off the cross because the Sabbath was approaching. But John 19, 31 says it this way. Now it was the day of preparation. That's the day they would have sacrificed their lambs, Nisan the 14th. And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Not the regular weekly Sabbath, but the special Sabbath, the Passover Sabbath. So sundown Thursday would have been the start of the Passover Sabbath. Then, of course, Friday at sundown was the regular Sabbath. And it's like, well, you know, have you ever wondered why the women waited until Sunday at first light to prepare the body? It's because that was the first opportunity that they had. There was two Sabbaths in a row that prevented them from going to the tomb and preparing the body until Sunday after the Sabbath had ended and it was first light. But Scripture says it this way. After the Sabbaths at dawn on the first day of the week, Matthew 28, 1. Did you notice I read that as plural? You did. Sabbaths. This is very fascinating to me because... Almost every English version of the Bible that is translated from the Greek in Matthew 28, verse 1, says this, after the Sabbath on the first day of the week. In other words, singular. But the Greek is very clear. In fact, I've confirmed this with a couple of different Greek word experts. And they say, absolutely, the word Sabbath here in Matthew 28, verse 1, is in the plural. So it should read, after the Sabbaths. Quarrel with an S on the first day of the week. Watch Sabbaths, the Sabbath starting on Thursday, going to Friday evening, and then the week the special Sabbath, and then the weekly Sabbath starting on Friday, ending Saturday. All right, which is why the women waited until Sunday, first light. But now watch this. It was dawn at the first day of the week, Matthew 28 says, Luke 24 says there was an empty tomb very early in the morning on the first day of the week. But John 20 verse 1 says early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed. Why is that little tidbit of information in scripture so important? Well, it tells us that Jesus was resurrected prior to daylight on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You see that? Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so let's put these pieces together and go back to this Matthew 12 prophecy that Jesus said. He says this in Matthew 12. He he's basically tells Israel, I'm tired of giving you signs. I'm not going to give you any more signs except the sign of Jonah. Just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now, some will ask, well, wait a minute, where's the heart of the earth? Well, we've actually done this teaching before on air. Mm -hmm. Jesus descended to Hades. Hades had two sides to it, the good side and the bad side, the paradise side and the torment side. And Jesus descended into Hades, the bosom of Abraham, where he and the thief next to him went, and that's where he went for three days. And Hades, by the by the way, is always described in Scripture as being in the heart of the earth, in the earth below, in the center of the earth, and so on. So that's where Jesus went. When he was resurrected, he brought the good side with him, and now they, the dead in Christ are up in heaven, and where Jesus is today when he rose to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, Acts chapter 1. And uh, now when believers die, they immediately go to the paradise, which is up in heaven, where God is. But it says three days and three nights. Well, if Jesus was crucified on Thursday during the day, late in the day, we have Thursday day, Friday day, and Saturday day, no Sunday day, because he's resurrected prior to first light. Mm -hmm. And we have Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday night, three days and three nights. And so we put all these pieces together and it seems clear as a bell that Jesus was crucified on Thursday afternoon, not Friday afternoon. And all of the pieces fit perfectly. Two more little tidbits. John 2. Jesus says, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Well, if I told you, This event's going to happen, and then three days later, some other event's going to happen. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Three days later, he will raise it again. Thursday, crucifixion; Sunday, resurrection. The other time reference is on the road to Emmaus. Do you remember the story? Jesus comes across two disciples, and they're walking, and he basically says to them, "Hey, what's going on?" and and the two men basically where have you been Mm -hmm. everybody knows about this jesus guy he came and he he did all these miracles and they crucified him and besides it says it is the third day since all this took place as if they were waiting for something to happen well if i told you that it's been three days since all this took place and it's sunday today when would you know that these events took place and i would argue you'd know it was thursday friday saturday sunday three days since these events have taken place. So that's two more little time passages that 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 verify or confirm that we seem to be right on track here with this Thursday crucifixion. So what does this mean? What do we do with this information? This is not, I'm not the first one who's come up with this Conclusion that Jesus was actually crucified on the Thursday instead of Friday, and therefore we as a church should be celebrating good friday I'm sorry, Good Thursday instead of Good Friday, but we don't this this is tradition, and tradition is a very powerful thing, but many theologians have come to this same conclusion i've I'm, I've read a number of people who have come to virtually the identical conclusion that Jesus was crucified on Thursday, so why doesn't the church? Change, why do we still celebrate good why do we still celebrate Good Friday? And all I can think of is that it, tradition is a powerful thing. Um, you know what do we do about this? What should we do about this do we should we all march into our pastors' offices now and demand that we celebrate Good Thursday instead of good Friday? Well, no, what is the most important thing about this week, and I think the most important thing about this week. Is that Christ came to this earth? God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. And he didn't stay in the tomb. He was risen on Sunday, and he did rise on the third day. So Christ is the first fruits. He rose on Sunday. We know it was Sunday. And in fact, that's why we continue to meet today on Sundays, the early church started to meet on Sundays, not on the Sabbath, not on Saturday, but on Sundays. And while there's no specific verse that tells us it's because of the resurrection, I think that's precisely why the church started to meet on Sundays, is because that's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. He conquered death. The grave could not hold him. Death could not contain him. The stone was rolled away, and he walked out of that tomb bodily, physically, visibly, and was seen by many. What is the gospel? 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. What Paul receives, he passed on to us, that Christ died on the cross according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and he rose again according to the Scriptures, and then he was seen by many, bodily, physically. Cool.
0: It's very cool. I go back to where we started, Jeff. We're in Matthew twelve forty. And this is Jesus speaking, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So I'm just saying to all believers, how do you do the math on that? Because Jesus didn't lie. He was not, he's not capable of it. See, he He spoke the truth. So he was in the heart of the earth for three
2: nights and three days. And I've, you know, that was the dilemma that I had sitting in the pews. I, I distinctly remember this. I, I was in junior high and I'm going oh, three days and three nights, Friday night, Saturday night. Uh, I, I guess I just don't understand. And then I started studying it for myself and I actually had to make up a chart to put it all down on paper. And when you understand this doesn't it just connect Scripture together in such a way that we can trust Scripture? Jesus doesn't lie, and Scripture is very precise in what it says, mm-hmm. and uh, and it can be reconciled. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I would, look, I am going to go to church on Good Friday, and I'm going to worship, and I'm going to remember what the Lord has done on that day. Mm-hmm. that 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 horrible day, which we call good, God became a man and came to earth, and man killed God. Mm-hmm. That's what happened on that mm-hmm. day. But God knew exactly what was happening. And this great defeat that Satan thought he had in having man kill the Son of God was flipped on its head on Sunday morning when he rose from the dead. And then that now that's the power. That's the gospel that saves us all. Mm-hmm. Crazy. But you're right. The math doesn't work from Friday. I've seen some commentators say, well, it's because of the days or the Hebrew days. They're all spelled out right here in my chat, the Hebrew days. And then it really doesn't matter if you're talking Hebrew days or our days, our modern days. It's still on Friday crucifixion. You don't have three nights. And the prophecy is very clear. You need three days and three nights. Mm -hmm. So when's your birthday? July. July what? 7th. All right. So let's say... Your, You're going to buy me a present? I will probably. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Lunch. <laughs> Let's say
0: that there is documentation that comes up that says, without a doubt, you were born on July 6th. Do you con- continue to celebrate on the 7th?
2: Hmm.
0: If I examined the evidence. Yes. And it's absolute clear documentation that you were, in fact, and, you know, no mistake, mistake to your mom that said July 7th is your birthday.
2: But it's actually the sixth. Do you continue to celebrate on the seventh? No, I would recognize the evidence. This is a good analogy, by the way. This is a very good analogy. Well, why are we? Why are we saying? Well, Good Friday is still Good Friday,
0: so we'll just call it that. But when we look at the evidence and we go, but it was Thursday. Now I know what you're. I know the point you're getting at, and you've made a beautiful point of laying it out. But I still feel a lot of energy about this because Jesus was in the.
2: Earth for three days and three nights, and Good Friday doesn't get us there. It does. This does, though. It does. Yeah, this chart, the Thursday crucifixion, reconciles all of the passages. And if it, using your analogy, hopefully this chart I think is sufficient evidence to convince most, you know, honest seeking Christians that, oh yeah, I think you're right. I think the crucifixion was on Thursday. I think we should start, you know, celebrating Good Thursday. I don't think that's going to happen in the church, primarily because of what I said earlier. I think tradition is a very powerful thing, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as many theologians that have come to the same conclusion could write articles and write books and do whatever and speak on the radio and so on, but I don't think it's going to change. So there is a part of me that when I'm sitting there on Good Friday worshiping, I'm going to be very comfortable with remembering what God's done, but there's going to be a little voice inside my (laughs) head, right?
0: All right. I need to take a break. I've completely lost track of time. Jeff Redorn is my guest. We're continuing our study on the final week of Jesus's life. We've got a chart available in the podcast at myfaithradio.com. It'll be available after the show. Be right back.
1: You are listening to an encore presentation of Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Faith, hope, and clarity in a special repeat performance.
0: I'm back with Jeff Verdorn. We're studying the final week of Jesus. And uh, Jeff, one of the truly great discoveries, I think, is the fact, and another uh, listener, David, said this, that he agrees that the Sabbath,
2: the plural in the Greek, in Matthew 28, it's pretty profound. Yeah, that's one of the uh, little little confirmations that I discovered after I actually developed this chart. It wasn't until a couple of years after that I realized that that word in Matthew 28, verse 1, Sabbath, is actually plural. And it was just one of these, oh, that's so cool, it just confirms. And there. And the reason is, obviously, like we talked about, there was two Sabbaths. And I think English translators have traditionally translated that as singular because without the understanding of the special second Sabbath, the Passover Sabbath, it wouldn't make any sense that there was two Sabbaths, meaning plural. So they just render it as singular. Mm-hmm. Now you've been talking a little bit of an upperclassman level today, and I've appreciated that, but
0: that's fine. But maybe explain this momentous moment on Thursday what was happening when people would be sacrificing a lamb, the people of Israel? What were
2: they doing, and what was the reason for that? So like we read in Exodus, this goes back to 1,400 years before Christ. This was to commemorate what God did to Israel to lead them out of Egypt. And we remember the story. Remember the symbolism of the Passover. They took the blood of the lamb, and they put it over their doorframe so that the death angel would pass over them. Mm-hmm. But even more than that, that's why we went to Leviticus 23. God gave Israel uh, instructions to celebrate seven different feasts throughout the year. And one of the main ones is this Passover feast. Um, And and once again, he reiterated this pattern of select the lamb on the 10th, sacrifice the lamb on the 14th, and eat the meal on the 15th of the month of Nisan, the Hebrew first month. Uh, They would have been doing that for 1,500 years before Christ came. And when you think about when John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, everybody in Israel would have known the imagery that John the Baptist was provoking with that statement. Mm.
0: And something else I find fascinating is in Exodus 12, 22, at the Passover meal,
2: None were to go outside until morning. Hmm. So You weren't supposed to leave your house. Correct. You weren't supposed to leave any of the lamb till morning. They weren't supposed to go to the, out of their house in the morning. And obviously after the Last Supper, what do they do? They leave. They go out. They go out. Judas and goes he, out. And Jesus goes out to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they're praying and so forth. That is actually one more little clue that tells us the Last Supper was not the passover meal mm-hmm. absolutely good point well i just think that's so important because
0: if you were not supposed to go outside until morning there would have been a strict
2: obedience to that you would you would uh jesus always obeyed the law he did uh, the, the, you know some say well he broke some of these laws or some of the commands remember the only thing that jesus didn't follow was some of the pharisees rules that they added to the law he was the perfect The lamb without blemish, remember that was the imagery from Exodus chapter 12, and that I think is representing that the lamb of God was without sin, without blemish. So he would have followed God's laws perfectly every day of his life. And the people of Israel had to select the lamb without
0: blemish on Nisan 10, which is the day Jesus rides into Jerusalem as the Messiah. Yes.
2: And then, and that day in 32 AD was Palm Sunday. Nice on the 10th was Palm Sunday. So, Israel, following their pattern year after year after year, would have been selecting their lamb on that Palm Sunday and then, of course, sacrificing it at the same time. I mean, this one just gets me every time I talk about this that Israel was sacrificing their lambs late in the afternoon at twilight at the exact time that Jesus was dying on the cross for our sins. So,
0: that um, is so (laughs) goosebumpy. (laughs) It is. Every time I hear that, I go, that's amazing.
2: It's, It's crazy. So if we look at, you know, one of the things that I think, so what do we do with this information? This is what we were talking about a little bit before the break. When we go to Good Friday service, you know, there is no admonition in Scripture to celebrate these two, what we call the holiest days of Christianity, right? We celebrate Christmas and Easter. Do you know that the Bible actually doesn't tell us that we should celebrate Easter? By the way, I like to use the phrase Resurrection Day more than Easter, if you know a little bit of the history about where the term comes from and so on, and we won't go into that. And Christmas, there's no place in Scripture that says we are to celebrate Christmas. In fact, we don't know precisely what day Jesus was born. Some actually think it was earlier in the year in late spring or uh, early summer. Some think in the fall, and that it was December when the wise men came, and that's where we get the story of the Nativity and so, so on and so forth. But we in Christianity tend to see Christmas and Easter as two kind of special holy days. We call this Holy Week, after all. Well, Paul says that some of you think of some days as being special, and others of you think of all days the same. And I am in the camp of thinking of all days the same. What do I mean by that? I mean that I want to live my life today and every day in the reality of Christmas and of Easter. Mm -hmm. He has made me holy and holy and blameless in his sight. I -hmm. want to live every day Mm -hmm. in that holiness, not just one special week out of the year, or, or not just as Christmas. I hear Christians, Christians often in the Christmas season, for example, say, and remember, it's the Christmas season, so we should be loving to one another. It's like, well, shouldn't we be doing that every single day? Mm. I want to live with the reality of Christ's death and burial and resurrection every single day.
0: So good. I love this study. I had a question about Daniel 9 and, and 32 AD. Didn't quite understand that, but I think I could probably dig out that teaching episode, if we can find that, it's I, can a, pa- I can pass it on.
2: That prophecy is a little complicated to do in a minute or two. I know. Um, but it's a tough. very powerful prophecy that it points directly to this date, Palm mm-hmm. Sunday in 32 AD.
0: So it's sixty-nine sevens, and each seven is a seven-year period of 365 days. And you multiply all that, and you get 173,880 days from the time that was decreed to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one
2: arrives. Correct. And that coincides with Palm Sunday, 32 AD. Yeah, so God actually told the world that from this decree, which I think the decree is in Scripture, it's in Mm -hmm. Nehemiah chapter 2, to rebuild Jerusalem, Uh, uh, the king gives Nehemiah a decree to go rebuild Jerusalem, until the Messiah comes, so he tells you, uh, what's going to happen, and he gives us the time frame that it's going to happen, this 69 sevens. You figure all that out in, in a teaching that I do in my end times class, and you come to Nissan the 10th, 32 AD. That's Palm Sunday, yeah. 32 AD.
0: Amazing. Jeff, thanks. It's been a lot of uh, fun to go through this again. Each year, I think I learn more, which is true, and I just love it. Thank you so much. Cool. You bet. Thank yeah. you, Bill. Jeff Verdorn has been my guest, and this chart that he's talking about will be available on the podcast tonight at myfaithradio.com. Head over to the Afternoon with Bill show page, and you can find it there. I've loved being with you. Tomorrow's going to be another great day. I hope you have a great night as you lay your head on the pillow. Just be, be sure that God loves you, and I do too.